Hello, I'm Caroline Blair and this is the official Scottish Rugby podcast. With me in the studio is, of course, the man, as always, the man, the myth, the rugby <laughs> legend himself, Chris Patterson. And sitting alongside us, what this man doesn't know about rugby, frankly, isn't worth knowing. It's freelance sports journalist Gary Heatley. Uh, chaps, great to have you here. Uh, Chris, the women are away. Edinburgh rugby or overseas, I don't think for one second though that that means that you've been sitting with your feet up. <laughs> no. Have you ever sat with your feet up no, for never, that? No, it's not worth sitting with your feet up, isn't it? There's always, always something to go. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from the, the women over in New Zealand. Uh, it seems a long time coming, isn't it? We've spoken about it for a long time and, and well, they obviously have experienced all the changes and the, the, the highs and the lows over the last two or three years, but the, I think they were pretty delighted to get on that flight and get away to New Zealand and, and really get into the action. And the excitement for us has been massive. Gary, you're going to be covering it from afar as well. Is that is that the plan? Yeah, absolutely. Be covering it remotely would have been great to get out there, but unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately not. But yeah, so it'll be a, a few late nights, early mornings. But it's, uh, as Chris says, the girls have worked five plus years to get here. So it's uh, really exciting to see them finally get out there and uh, looking forward to seeing them play against Wales in a couple of weeks. Well, speaking about late nights and early mornings, uh, Scotland captain uh, <laughs> Rachel Malcolm and Anne Young, uh, her colleague, have uh, have been giving us a bit of an insight into behind the scenes in the Scotland camp in New Zealand. Welcome to the Scotland women's camp in New Zealand. We are currently in Auckland for the week uh, and I'm joined today by my roommate for the week, Anne Young, prop extraordinaire. <laughs> How, how's your journey been to New Zealand so far? It's been good. It was long, long and I was by myself away from my team and amongst the Welsh team. Oh, they were on the same flight as us. So that was definitely fun. Yeah. What was your impression of the Welsh team? They were lovely, you know. <laughs> if, when I tried to go to the toilet, they always let me go first. <laughs> definitely, they were definitely very accommodating, so I can't complain. Good. And what have you slash everyone been up to since we got to Auckland? Definitely a lot of coffee runs. Coffee runs at ungodly hours of the day, um, like half past four or five o'clock. But um, yeah, I think that's mostly been it. And a lot of shopping already, which yeah. is dangerous for the, the wallet. But that's what it's been up to. Yeah, there has been a jet lag crew, hasn't there? Yeah, how are you coping with the jet lag? Um, 2 4 a.m. starts has been the key. First yeah. night, couldn't stay awake. And you're obviously fine, you've slept right through both days. I know, I'm a great sleeper. I'm okay for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's trading today? God, it was good. It was nice to get out, nice to get a run around. Definitely feeling it in the legs though. Yeah. It's definitely harder. I feel like because we've been training inside definitely as well. That's been a challenge. Yeah, it was ridiculously adjust. windy. It was, wasn't it? It's very much like Scotland here, I think. I feel like I'm in Glasgow. I'm a wee bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the sun that we were promised? <laughs> Our management team is doing some funny stuff to, to try and keep us awake, haven't they? Yeah, they've got very inventive. Uh, we've had a singing challenge that Fraser introduced to try and keep us all awake before dinner. Um, that was actually quite funny because we walked in like zombies. Yeah. Literally everyone was, that was the first day, uh -huh. everyone, and we've by that point been awake for like two full days pretty yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much. It, like flight, full day in New Zealand, everyone walked in as zombies, and I've never, I don't think, seen a transformation in anything. How are you going to say? Quite like that game, like when he said what we were doing, so for context, hearing the starts of songs and then having to perform the song and it was in front of everyone on your own and competing in three groups against yeah. each other. It was quite monumental. It was. as Some standout characters as well. And even as a relatively new person, you think... And you're not new. Well, I feel like <laughs> I am new. I feel like I am new. Okay. I'm not the newest. But even people who've been here a while were surprised at some of the yeah. revelations that came out on Jade that. Jade Conkle probably up there. A dancer. A, a dancer. Performer. Former. Uh, Louise McMillan. Louise McMillan. Always. Oh, we, That's knew, a, we, we know knew. that. We know that. Jodie Retty. Jodie Retty did well. Surprising. Do you know who really stood out from management? Rex. First time oh, with the yeah. squad. Came from. Came out of the box hard. Scouting for girls. Really smashed out of the park with that. <laughs> he really, <laughs> he really did. Um, Where else went up to? We went to the beach. Went to the beach. Lush. So first day we were really lulled into full sense security with the weather. Oh yeah, it was gorgeous. Gorgeous day. Went to the beach in the sun. Played some spike ball. Played spike ball, bit of a swim. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Bank SNC very happy with the recovery from there. Yeah. Um, and our games in the park. Oh, I know, I don't know if we are now TikTok famous because of that. Yeah, it um, was. Although the, our, one of the challenges did cause some rifts, didn't it? Which ten, one? The 10 pass. Oh, the 10, the ten <laughs> pass. Literally, every single team I think had a weak link. Yeah. Or two. Not to name names, but so, there was a couple of weak links. And yeah, there was some serious. We get people. so competitive, don't we? It's, yeah. it's 
kind of crazy. How yeah. competitive we get. But yeah, no, a lot of new activities, r random activities, yeah. but they actually did very much work. They did. They kept us awake. Although we were in bed by half past seven. <laughs> we were doing quite a bit last like day, but falling asleep at my phone. Ten o'clock last night, though. Yeah, we Rose did well. Day. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, hit circuit as well with Frankie Boy. Oh, yeah. That was actually, like, I don't, again, we got too competitive and went too hard on that, I think. Yeah, and then we all have doms today. But uh, no, it's been a cool few days, very yeah. different to a normal introduction to camp, wasn't it? Yeah. We never have two days where we don't play rugby. I know. So it's quite cool to have that experience and just like focus on recovery and yeah, getting sure. ready and frame off. It's made it gone really fast though. Like, yeah. I feel like we've been here, we've only been here a couple of days. I feel like we've been here a week. It does feel like we've been here a week. Yeah. The travel does not help yeah. though, to be fair. No, for sure. Um, and then what have you, well, what have we got on for the rest of the week? Uh, we've got some fun media things. Uh, we've got we a couple got of, two, well, we've been warned, two very tough days of... <laughs> yeah, we have been thoroughly warned. ...rugby training, uh, a bit of gym and probably a lot more coffee. A lot more coffee and yeah. some, some more shopping, I think, as well. <laughs> I've no room in my bag to do any kind of shopping. <laughs> um, I've packed for six months. Um, <laughs> in terms of obviously the tournament, mm. what are you most looking forward to? I think looking forward to playing different teams, like we obviously usually play the Home Nations team, so it'll be quite nice to play like the Australia's, New Zealand's, and then hopefully further into the quarterfinals. Um, don't know who we'll get for them, but yeah. what about you, what are you looking forward to? I think probably the same thing. I think, I actually think the coolest thing that I've noticed in the first couple of days is like, like walking around the city and like passing people from all different countries in terms yeah. of like the teams like we keep getting passed on the bus by like Fiji and we just passed Australia and like when we were in Thailand we walked past some Italians and stuff like yeah. that like I think that's really cool to be like that's been really cool for me just to mm. be like in a city with like all the teams that you watch or play against and just like bumping into people yeah. which is pretty cool. Nah. Um, Makes you feel part of something bigger like it's just like your small part of something quite big which yeah. is cool for sure. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us for your first check-in with the Scotland Women's team with Anne Young and myself. And we look forward to chatting to you next week and telling you a little bit more about camp life. I think of everything that stuck out for me there. It was the vision of Anne being on the, on the flight with the whale, <laughs> the whale squad and, and looking over the shoulder and seeing what the plays are. What a fantastic clip from the women there. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you'll know more about sort of travelling with the other teams. Uh, I guess it must be quite quite interesting when you meet your meet your foes on a plane. I know, uh, keep your friends close and <laughs> close and your enemies closer, isn't it? Is a real. Uh, I suppose the other way of looking at it is the the Welsh team were on the flight with Anne Young as well. So, uh, <laughs> uh, were they picking her brain and seeing what was what? It's uh, it's funny. The only the kind of well, the biggest experience of that I had was was playing sevens and they played in the World Series and mm. the sevens, mm. all the teams would stay in the same hotel um, and it'd be breakfast and you'd be sharing kind of breakfast in, in the restaurant and you're like, well, we're playing against each other in like four or five hours or whatever. So it was it was strange, whereas Six Nations 15s or even, you know, the the professional ranks, you didn't really see or mix really with the opposition team, but in sevens you did and it's quite similar and it, it's interesting to see, you know, they're all in Auckland at the moment. So it's quite nice to hear that they've seen other teams and bumped into other teams because that's quite unusual in a city the size of Auckland um, I know they'll move up to Whangarei later but there's almost a shared excitement across the uh, across all the teams that you can get even from that, that short clip and Gary you'll know better than most but this will be a not a unique uh, World Cup but it'll be vastly different to the last one Scotland involved in, and even the last one four or five years ago it, it, it's it's a bigger deal, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you know, last one Scotland were in twenty ten would have been, I think it was Surrey Sports Park. Yeah. So I wouldn't imagine, you know, the teams really seen too much of each other, each other, and around that area. Whereas you know, in twelve years, a long time. I mean, obviously, you know, I think the one of the big things for me was when you heard the players talking about the Spain week that was cancelled. That they mm. they met former players, and that seemed to be a really, mm. you know, really brought it home to them how much this means to people and. I think with the, the role of honour now as well, you know, it's only two hundred and thirty two players that have played for yeah. played for Scotland women, so it's a you know, for thirty two of them unfortunately for Evie Gallagher just to miss out before before they flew out, which was yeah. a big blow, but you know, um, for them to be thirty two of them to be going out to a World Cup twelve years later, I mean it's a massive, massive thing. And I think the the coverage around the world compared to twelve years ago will be, you know, 
You won the World Cup, the Men's World Cup in 2011. Well, mm. you both there. Yeah, I was just remembering when we were talking about flights <laughs> there. I actually remember flying back with the England squad, um, not intentionally. I, my, my press duties had finished. <laughs> uh, and I remember if it was, it was quite an interesting uh, World Cup for them. So yeah, it was certainly right, a very yeah. quiet flight, uh, yeah. I will say. But but just looking into to the World Cups, we know it from the press side of things, from the players' side. I mean, it was a hard enough adjustment for us moving. Take New Zealand, for example. We, I think, pretty sure it was started off in Invercargill for the men, then it was uh, Wellington, yeah, right. and then Auckland for the last well, uh, two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, for the women, Brian Easton and the squad, they're going to be based in Whangarei yeah. for the duration. Yeah, um, and actually, looking back at some of that, the, the, we were due to have uh, play games in Christchurch. And it was That's just. Right, yeah. It wasn't long after the the, the two mm. severe earthquakes that the, the stadium obviously wasn't wasn't capable. The, the city wasn't capable of hosting. So I think mm. we. I think we were meant to have games in Christchurch and Dunedin, but yeah, they both right. changed to Invercargill because of the knock-on effect of schedules. And I think England, maybe, because mm-hmm. they were in our group, as you say, had, had the two games in, in Dunedin. That's right. Uh, in the Forsyth um, bar the inside one. So we ended up playing in Invercargill um, and then moving up to Wellington and then in Auckland. So similar kind of disruption in some ways to you know, what was what was initially planned in, in World Cups. But yeah, they finalised it north... Uh, north, it's quite warm, it's quite tropical. I, I played there in 2000, we, we toured there in, in 2000, um, and it was used in 2011 as well mm-hmm. for like, mm-hmm. you and my bit of games, Gary. Yeah. So it's a big, big, like quite a kind of tropical climate. And interesting, I've talked about the wind there in Auckland, it'll be quite a mild, reasonable wind. The, the, the pitches, I'd imagine, will be, they'll be good, but they might be a wee heavier, certainly, than what they've been used to training inside. So all that takes a bit of getting used to. And, and I think the, the great thing with Fangary last time, because it is quite a small place. You know, all the school kids, all the shops, yeah. all yeah. sort of took a country, and I'd imagine it'll be the same this time. So you know, they'll, they'll arrive and there'll be a great welcome, truly pipes and various things. So it'll be, you know, it'll be really a great atmosphere for friends to be up there. And I it's think. one of the kind of traditional pitches as well, where there's a massive grass bank on the mm. far side. And you just imagine it'll be full with probably school kids, and I mean, it's just really kind of engaging in the whole, the whole as it always does in rugby in New Zealand. And it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a. A, a pretty good experience. And it sounds like it's a, it's a, it's a grass bank, and I think it could be full of the, the Scotland parents and family. Oh, I know, I, <laughs> yeah. hearing, about the, hearing about the WhatsApp group between the parents sounds quite interesting. I think <laughs> I think they're all hoping each other's parents will look after each other. So I'm not quite sure. <laughs> who's, not sure who's the leader? leader? <laughs> I, I wonder if there's any plan in place for Brian to manage the, the parents. So it is great to see so many going out and the support. And actually, on that now, your job as as a, as a journalist, um, the way that the women engage in social media, for example, the way that the Scotland team in general engage ages with social media has it's massively changed the job that we do in a lot of ways what have the advantages been for you in in getting so far behind that closed door I guess no it's been great because I think you know over the last five six years this squad has been fairly settled there's obviously the young ones coming in now but I think even just the last four or five days since they've they've landed I mean the the social media stuff's been brilliant just to get an insight into what they're doing we've heard Rachel and Anne speaking there and it's just yeah you get a feeling for all the different characters because of 32 people there's going to be some <laughs> some different characters so yeah I think that really helps to kind of uh, engage in for the youngsters I mean I know a few of them were at Marb a few weeks before they left and they've given them a mascot and stuff like that I think that was the sevens girls but you know it's just great that these girls can now watch on TV and go I've mm-hmm. met those people I've met them. Mm-hmm. I can also follow them on TikTok whatever else you might want to use so it's uh, yeah it's really great and, what's, what's and that Gary? well quite yeah <laughs> I'm not sure I was going to ask you actually. So, so Chris doesn't know but we're going to get him a, a dance organised for him that's going to be for, for part two of the season um, uh, Chris uh, just going back briefly to f- to the flight now from a professional mm. athlete's point of view you've got a 30 hour flight you've got a time difference Will the team have to factor in, you know, certain measures, I guess, yeah. to cope with that? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting when we spoke to some of the players before they left that not many of them had done that journey before. Mm. And it definitely gets easier the more you do it. The first time it is, well, I would say the first time I did it, because <laughs> you don't know how you don't know how you're going to feel and you don't really know how long it is. You know it's a long time, but actually doing it, it's like, wow, this takes a while. And the more you do it, the kind of... It's still the same duration, but you seem to know what to expect at each stage, so it becomes a little bit easy, easier. So, I think a lot of them having done it for the first time will be experiencing as we heard that that jet lag thing. You know, getting up the middle of the, the middle of the night, it, it, it's a nightmare. And you know, they've, they've got a jet lag protocol, mm-hmm. um, and whether it's exposure to sunlight. Or, you know, get out in the sun. Then there's maybe a couple of hours in a day. You shut the blinds. You get the blackout curtains. You stay awake, but you get out exposure to the sun. That can help. The 
the your hydration levels, uh, you know, staying up when to even on the first flight, it's usually stay up for the first one, try and sleep. sleep for the second. Second. It's, it's, it's the landing time, isn't it? And you and work yeah. backwards. Or, or yeah. as soon as you get on the flight, mm-hmm. change your watch to the, uh, the the time that you've got to be at your destination. All these wee bits and pieces, they can't help. But the beauty is that they're there in enough time. Um, and you can hear already, <laughs> we were giggling, there wasn't a lot of rugby chat. And, uh, but the, <laughs> it was the, great to hear it, that, it, wasn't it? It was great. But that, because they've got enough duration between now and playing Wales, yes. You can't land and get right into it and train. You'll pick up injuries. You'll you'll end up you know doing the wrong thing mentally. You won't be switched on. So you have to have engaging activities in order to keep the core culture of your team there without being at risk of injury yourself by flying into contact training and, and, and heavy training. So it sounds as if they've they've come up with Acclimated a few novel really. ideas. And I think sort of you know before you go on, Richard Markham was saying. Is that the first thing you look at? Is who's next to you in the alphabet? Who are you going to sit next to? Is that kind of what you worry about? I think she was thinking Rachel McLaughlin, which I think could be quite a quite a long twenty-four hours. No, was that one of the things you looked at? I was quite often with James Robson, the B and R, and James would brilliant tourist, but he didn't enjoy flying too much. So you were put next to him probably for a reason. Maybe we held hands a few times in a long time. It's also that factor against as well. You are they are together for a long time, so I always think it's interesting with with how different coaches. Uh, manage room allocations and things. It'll be interesting to catch up with Brian on Always that. Always a contentious point. <laughs> is is that roomie. a worrying point? The is roomie. It? Yeah. yeah, I the think roomie. it's changed now. It used to be totally random. Well, we were told it was totally random. I, I don't know. Like, but now there seems to be a, an ebb towards certainly the, the kind of men's game having a, your roomie, yeah. like somebody you're with the whole time. But every time we were in tour, it would be a different roomie and different destination. It would change the whole time. It would be a forward and a back. It would be a young and an old. <laughs> uh, and there was a lot of nervousness, really, as to, uh, as to who did And who I bet uh, some great did. stories as well that Gary and I oh, haven't yeah. yet some people, to. Uh, some people sleeping in the, sleeping in the, the toilet, in the from, toilet rather than sleeping in the bed also, next to somebody who was snoring and you name it. The snorers were the worst. That was the worst. That was the worst you would get. I guess also for the girls, you know, although they have spent a lot of time together, it's all been camps and up and down, mm-hmm. you know, just to have that flight in, the, in these few days mm-hmm. before they really get into the rugby mm-hmm. stuff to properly we get to know other characters, other players is quite important. I think it's important as well that, and it was good to, at the end of the interview to hear them talk about rugby and talk <laughs> about what's next and what's coming. They are aware of, you know, you know, preparation sessions and games, but also how hard the work's going to be. I think... They you, know, don't they? You know, they need to know. They're, you can't possibly kind of land and have all the enjoyment and all the, the fun, not, you know, and you think, like, this is it. You know, it, no, you know what's coming, and the reason we're doing this is to be in the right position, mentally and physically, in order that when the, the real stuff starts, you're ready to go. Um, that's an important message, and it's good to know it came through. You can see them releasing their adrenaline, though, and and that turns us quite nicely now to the focus. Wales, 9th of October. Mm. With that in mind, I mean, Wales, number nine in the world. We are hot on their heels at number ten, Gary. As openers go, they don't get much more interesting than yeah, that. Surely, it's an absolute brilliant opener. I think Brian said that. I mean, I think there's still a lot of uh, you know hangover from that game in Cardiff in the Six Nations where Scotland mm. 14-7 half time 19-7 just after half time then Wales sort of emptied the bench and Scotland just couldn't cope but we were also missing a few players that, that day through illness and, and Covid concerns so I think yeah that's been on their minds for a while and I think they know they can beat Wales you know they're uh, very even in the rankings but over the years the games have all been very close and, and I always think this kind of whole journey for one of a better word started in 2017 when they beat Wales in the, the Six Nations it was mm-hmm. the first Broadway, at Broadway mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. first First Six Nations win for seven, yeah, again. Penalty. Um, first Six Nations win in seven years, which, you know, as a new squad was coming through, and a lot of them were young. Now a lot of the 26, 27 year olds who are in the squad now were 21, 22. Mm-hmm. It made them believe, I think, that win. Um, and so, yeah, Wales, they've had quite a long history with them over the last five years, but they, they could definitely go and win this game, that's for sure. It's a great point you raise, actually, there. It's a real marker, isn't it, when we look at the journey and talking about attracting um, new players and, and more from a journalist's point of view, mm. a new audience and a, a growing readership to us. These women are actually making that very easy for us in a lot of ways because it is an exciting time in, in women's rugby in Scotland. Yeah, definitely. And I think before she left, everyone allowed to remark that, you know, when they played at Broadway, those kind of games, they could... She could probably name the crowd. I could certainly <laughs> name the journalists that were there. I'd probably be saying myself. But, uh, you know, as you say, over the last five years, it really has been a, a real journey for them. And I think they've sort of brought younger players along with them. You look at the 21, 22 year olds, I think there's five or six of them in the squad. They must have all kind of watched that and thought, I can do that now. And that's, uh, yeah, it's just been brilliant to see. And I think, you know, there's five players with over 50 caps, but there's quite a few players with 40 odd caps. Mm. You know, Lisa Thompson's got 46, I think she's only 25. So, you know, it's. Uh, a lot of experience in the squad over 700 caps so that game certainly was a big one and I think it's just yeah it's that belief as well 
So hopefully they've they've got that going this game. Uh, you're right though. The, the, kind of, the game since then have been nip and tuck, haven't they? Been, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's not been a lot in it. Obviously, we won um, Scots in 2021 uh, after a poor performance a week before. I think it was against Italy. It was a, it was a, that was a good performance uh, against Wales. But then you mentioned them in 2022, the Cardiff Arms part, and you mentioned the bench. From memory, it was kind of although. The, Scotland were, were leading and, and are ahead. It was a physicality in the last 20 minutes that kind of dropped off, and we did have some missing. But do you think the work that's been done between, you know, certainly this the off season will prepare the Scottish team to deal better with that physicality next weekend? Yeah, you would you would think so, and I think that you know perhaps has been a slight issue in the last couple of years is the mm. bench strength, and I think you know rugby is a 23 player game now, and I think but you look at the 32 player squad now, and you see there are a lot of good options to come off the bench you mm. know I say Evie Gallagher will be a miss because she probably would have perhaps coming off the bench but you know there's really good options in the forwards and I think yeah that physicality will be key because for 55-60 minutes in Cardiff they, yeah. were, they were well on top I know they were missing a few players but you know you will miss players you know we'll, we'll see that yeah. as the tournament goes and you'll on see that, that'll happen to you as well mm. yeah so players have to be ready to step up and not think the, the starting 15 zinked in you know mm. and um, yeah as I say just have that belief because for 55-60 minutes they did silence card from sort of there was eight thousand or something. Yeah. So it was, so yeah, they just got to look back to that, but not not look back too much. Just focus on this this next game. There is that balance, isn't there? Because you, we are even now we're talking about that next game. The focus for them will very much be on that next game. You've done a staggering four World Cups, uh, rugby World Cups, Chris. So what would your advice be to them uh, going into knowing that yes, you've got this first opener and it's big, but there's mm. also at least two games after that. Yeah, it's a marathon. Yeah. It, it's it's funny because the, this game's been targeted for you know since the end of the uh, the Six Nations really hasn't it and, and that this game has been the focus through the, the preparation phase even through the the the, the game against the USA and the players trained really hard that week and almost what we call training they trained through the game because the purpose of that period is to hit the ground running when you play Wales. This has been the focus for so long so that can build up an extra amount of tension it can build up a lot of pressure you want to get off. To a good start, undoubtedly in a World Cup, you'll, you'll watch an open ceremony, you'll watch the first game as a squad in your team hotel. Every time you turn the TV on, there's another game, and that weight from the kind of first game to your first game is quite it builds so much pressure that maybe you you've not really had before, and and that takes managing um, because sometimes if you get overly hit up and you get overly you know pressurised about making a good start, you just play within yourself and you, you crumble. So you need to know that. Yeah, there'll be a huge amount of pressure, but what do you need? To, what do you need to do to make sure the performance is good? Don't just apply the pressure for the performance. So I would say getting off to a good start is vital. Um, I know, again, hearing Anne and, and, and Rach talking about playing Australia and New Zealand, that is a new dimension. It mm -hmm. is a, a new experience for pretty much everybody. I think mm. um, they won't be looking. It's good to hear them talking about, it, but they won't be looking. They'll be looking at Wales. So I think don't get, don't let the occasion give you so much pressure that you can't perform at your best. Um, realise that you have to get minutes and hours away from rugby especially when the, the tournament starts and every time you turn the TV on and every time you go out in the bus and every time you go to train and your training sessions are blocked off there's branding everywhere it's difficult to get that time away that you need in order to make sure you're fresh when you play mm, and I think the um, you know we talk about leaders and I think you know, obviously Rachel's a great captain but you think you know Lana Skeldon in the front row with mm -hmm. over 50 caps Emma Watson in the second row with over 50 caps then you know Rachel in the back row Jade with over 50 caps in the back row and then Chloe at fullback and mm -hmm. Sarah Law whether she starts or comes off the bench with over 50 caps who seems to be a sort of wise stage head around the group so you know they've got leaders everywhere really. but this is all new to them yeah you know that, that, that's the key True. this is all new to the experienced players as well because it's 2010 since the last mm -hmm. played and also even if you had played you know in the last well the point that's making before this will be totally different to four to five years ago mm -hmm. it is it's a different level of pressure it's a different level of exposure it's a different level of performance that the the you know the players themselves can deliver but also the 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 opposing teams it's it's a big old challenge and managing that expectation <laughs> the excitement what an, what an amazing opportunity and, and it's going to be really interesting to see and watch that journey evolve particularly on the on the social channels in the time and um, the tv at 5 45 in the morning <laughs> yeah, guys. Exactly yeah, you got the lamp yeah, set. I was going to say to... what's the plan for you then Are yeah you, uh... <laughs> not, not really thought about it I just uh, <laughs> oh, I, I just turned 40 this week so I'll probably uh, 
Happy get birthday, get up about that time these days anyway. So, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, it's certainly going to be Are you fun. lying? Because I've done 40 good for years ago. I'm not getting up at that time in the morning yet. I'm, is I'm it lying or is it denial here? Yeah, no, denial. Just... Uh, a reminder then, uh, Gary will of course be getting up at 5.45 in the morning along with the rest of us to watch Scotland women uh, against Wales on the 9th of October. Then it's a six-day turnaround, isn't it, before uh, Australia, which is on the 15th of October and then finishing up the pool stages against the host New Zealand who sit number two in the world uh, on the 22nd of October. So what an exciting tournament this is mm. going to be. On that, just to jump in, mm-hmm. did you see, Gary, the, the two games Australia and New Zealand played two or three weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. What were you, I mean, watch, I was, uh, I mean, New Zealand won comfortably, but mm-hmm. Australia's level of physicality, I know I keep using this word, but I was really impressed by it. Did you see them? Did you yeah, pick no, up any looked, bits and pieces looked, of them? They looked very physical, and I think they've, they've drafted in a few from the sort of World Sevens championship winning team so how those players can, can integrate in back into a 15s environment because yeah. that's quite hard to mm. do and I know obviously some of the Scottish girls had the Commonwealth Games in the summer but yeah so now they looked Australia obviously historically haven't been that great in 15s mm. but they look like they've really obviously it's, they look better now you know not far for them to travel it's a big tournament for them so mm. I think it's you know but also yeah New Zealand in New Zealand it's just going to be amazing with the girls to face that yeah. but yeah the, as you say in rugby, everything comes down to physicality, really, and if you don't win that that kind of area, you're gonna gonna struggle. So the girls will know that, and mm. yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting group. And obviously, with you know two second, sorry, two third place teams going through to yeah. the quarterfinals, you know, it's yeah. a massive chance because you know group group C, uh, sorry, Pool C has got England and France in it. So mm-hmm. you know, Fiji and South Africa's points difference is probably gonna be you know <laughs> pretty difficult for them. So to get to get one of the third places. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. So it's really a big chance for a lot of teams, but again, as, point counts, isn't it? as you've said about expectation, it's about then sort of channeling that, and also maybe that's where it's helpful for mm-hmm. the the younger players, the sort of Shona Campbells, these kind mm-hmm. of players that maybe when you're young you just don't think so much yeah, about exactly. it. You know, <laughs> that format makes us a really that, exciting show, showcase as well, though. There, there is quite a gang of those that, young players who do seem to have no fear at the minute, and mm-hmm. you know you've also got older players like Ronald Lloyd who is coming into the former life, so it's just uh, I think it's bubbling up quite nicely. Oh, you've set this up very <laughs> nicely, guys. Set this up fantastically well. Now, you mentioned the Commonwealth Games there. I hope you'll forgive me uh, for, for moving into this. So, uh, very briefly, uh, for anyone that isn't aware, um, Gary, your cousin uh, James uh, Heatley, of the same family name, uh, is following in your, your grandfather, Sir Peter Heatley's uh, footsteps, or, or dive, or speedos. I don't know what's there. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the equivalent of that is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's certainly, he's, I mean, what have we got? We've got uh, European world commonwealth uh, medalist he's a, an olympian what yeah no it's exciting a, time for the family a pretty amazing time for them i mean they obviously the olympics last year was his first olympics and it was obviously you know no crowds there during mm. covid times and things but then this summer because everything's been condensed they had the world strength commonwealth strength europeans so it's been a it was an amazing time and yeah in birmingham his first three events i was down there watching was fourth 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 so uh, monday morning last event of the last day of the the whole games was a bit of pressure on him but him and him and grace reed won the Won the gold in the three meter synchro, so that was uh, yeah amazing. And I think just you know those two were at school together; they've been friends for a long time. So for those two to do that together, I think that was a really special, uh, special moment for them. Yeah. And a hugely special moment for the family. Well, we've certainly enjoyed watching that, and we'll continue to enjoy watching his success as well. Uh, now you were both uh, in a moment. We're, we're going to be catching up on on the um, the URC as well. We'll have a, a chat about that. But in the meantime, you were both covering the, the Foz Rock Super Six this weekend. Uh, so what Zonians held their berth at the top of the table, uh, which was a, a pretty interesting 33-21 away win um, to bottom of the table Sterling Wolves. I mean, the game that we watched there was quite a different Wolves side. Yeah, I was at the game Friday night. Um... <sighs> I mean, it, it was it was a battle really mm. that more than the score suggests. Um, still, and just haven't. I mean, they're sitting on no points at the foot of the table. But if you look at some of the performances, you wouldn't really put them there. Um, Watsonians and they are the two. I keep saying the two form teams. They're, they're ahead, but Watsonians had to work really, really hard. The the teams were bolstered. There was a lot of professional players playing across it, and it it made a real tussle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I don't think that the, the scoreline was big as that, but 
Watson's and speaking to Ferg afterwards, he was really happy because he he knew how well Stirling had played. Mm. He actually said the week before the game against Barramuri, he said he didn't feel Watson's had played particularly well. He said he didn't really feel Barramuri had been at their best either. So he was a bit disappointed with the quality of the game. Whereas on on Friday night, his overriding emotion was like, listen, we had to we had to play well to beat a good Stirling side, and that, it's kind of hard to justify that when you look at the table and see where Stirling are. But there was a lot of kind of reasonable performances. Um, it's quite a frustrating position for Sterling. It, it is for Ben, ben as well, isn't it? And, and, and the players. Now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, but it's just... It, I, I don't know. I mean, did, mm. did you see it as well? I, yeah, mean, no, I, mean, I, I, I just thought it was, it, was a, it was a close game. Yeah. The scoreline just didn't reflect you know, the penalties. I mean, Watsonians probably didn't play particularly in the first half, but Sterling did. Mm-hmm. But then... You know, Watsonians sorted their discipline that's helped in the second half and, and, and scored a couple of decent yeah, I tries. Think, I, mean, I think we were talking about the you know, the importance of the bench in the Women's World Cup. Yeah. That, you know, Watsonians, that is the one thing they have in every Some game. Is they've always got that extra gear they can find. You know, how many games this season, second half, right. or in the last couple of seasons, second half, they've really, you know, they've got that bench strength and I think that really helps. But yeah, it was great to see Sterling. They're a more balanced side, though, Watsonians, mm-hmm. I think, than they were even in the sprint. Even last year, I thought they got themselves in a good position early on in the championship and then didn't really kick on because they didn't play within themselves. But I don't think they pushed the dominance that they could have had in games. They kind of did enough just to beat teams, whereas I think they've added a, a kind of wider dimension to their attack um, as well as that, that power they had up front. So I, I think they're, they're, they're definitely progressing their game, which helped because they had to score it wide. And then when it tightened up on, on Friday night, the, the Van Nierkirk try was kind of maybe about 60 minutes from memory, was just pick and go. It was like hard, hard, hard work, right. hard work. But yeah. it showed that they can still do that. And the next again try was, was offload. And, um, I think as you say that about their, their, kind of wider, their wider play, I think, you know, Angus Guthrie's been back at winger. He's, mm. he's really impressive. Lewis Berger. 13's always carries a, carries a lot, <laughs> scores a lot, and you know, and and Dom Cooks at fullback, or they've had Harry Patterson there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, they've got great options there. And, and the ability to get there with, with yeah. um, like, um, Lee Miller, who's a quality player, um, Jason Baggett, who's been injured, but Conor Eastgate as well. They're mm-hmm. quite similar. Mm-hmm. They can all play ten and twelve, thirteen as well for, for Conor Eastgate. So they can right change. Foot, left so they're t- yeah, can so switch They can change. They can carry. They're, they're all good readers of the game. There's a right foot, and a left foot, an option there. Coach at fullback kicking option as well so th- so the balance is really good better than it was last year and I think it'll take a good team to beat them Well uh, elsewhere Ayrshire Bulls they had a, an emphatic 31-5 uh, victory at home win for over Southern Knights uh, they also they took the 10 league points from that game mm. which is quite a, quite a, an interesting prospect but of course with that time's run out for the fixture the postponed fixture to be played but Gary um, Heriot's rugby versus Burramuir yeah. beer my gosh that turned <laughs> out to be some encounter there must have been smoke <laughs> a, billowing out of your fingertips <laughs> as you were producing yeah, that match was, um, uh, very interesting game Heriot's oh, 17-0 I think 31 minutes <laughs> I mean. and uh, you know Burramuir had not fired a shot I think is the phrase they use nowadays and it was um, yeah Suddenly, Burnham just flicked a switch. I think you know, um, yeah, their their pack really stepped up to the mark. I was I was really impressed with uh, Callum McFeet Smith, who's a Hong Kong international student in the front row. He kind of mm-hmm. stepped up to the mark. Callum Atkinson in the second row, and mm-hmm. they just started carrying a bit harder. And yeah, suddenly, Burnham got back into the game just before half time, and then from then till about the 65th, 66th minute, Burnham, you know, Heriot didn't have the ball at all, so it was. Uh, and then they win by a three point well, margin. Yeah. I mean, so Burnham <laughs> scored right right at the end, and then. Heriots were held up over the line right, the end, right after that as well. So it was yeah, an amazing finish. Um, just an amazing game, really. And it was great to see Duncan Munn was back, the under-20s player, back for Burnham There's a lot more of these young players now being able to release after their break. So it's, it's great to see these kind of guys back. And uh, and it was great to see Josh Mackay from Glasgow was playing fullback. Yeah. His first game, I think. And Rufus as well. And Rufus yeah, McLean in back there, three. Yeah. For, you know, I think it's Josh certainly first game in the Super 6. And his communication and the way he was working with the team was great, considering you know he wouldn't have trained with them too much. And... That kind of uh, insight from those kind of players must be yeah. great for the other, the other Yeah, players. no, it is a really hard game to make sense of yeah. because Heriots <laughs> were dominant and yeah. they lost uh, and dominant for long periods. Mm. And then the, the, uh, it just seems to be the way they, they, they've been, really. Yeah, and, can, and probably the way Barramuir, I think I'm probably more impressed with them this season than anybody else in, in terms of their ability just to get wins and do their yeah. thing and work hard for each other. Really, really kind of. I've been impressed with him, but yeah, Josh was, Josh was. It was great, wasn't it? Because he, all he came and he came in and did the first two or three high balls, and you're like, that's kind of what you want for mm. your experienced pro guy. Um, but I also, across him and Rufus, I thought they both played well, but they both defended really well. Like actually, 
I thought but they had Herod's coped well. yeah. with them pretty well mm-hmm. because they were, they were good. I think Gregor Brown did well. The, the Gregor Brown and Jack Mann, the kind of opposing eights, mm. was quite a good clash as well. But second half, Herod's on two or three occasions failed to keep the ball for or turned the ball over within a phase mm. in their own kind of third. And it just meant that Burnham, you were camped in there. Yeah, camped I know Finn, Finn Gillis mm-hmm. was obviously frustrated with their their set piece kind of fell off a cliff, really, and it just mm. kind of you know, didn't allow them to launch their plays, really, because through Bruce Houston, they're pretty. Uh, Pretty exciting backline when Harris yeah. get going, but they just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. They seem to play it's a funny fits, game, play fits and starts, but it's a funny game if, if we could work it to out. To be dominant and lose. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, but from a neutral's perspective, it was a great showcase mm. for what the Forge Rock Super Six can do because, as you say, it integrated mm-hmm. um, the, the pro players. It, it, we saw we saw the the, the AM players. It, it just was a fantastic showcase of very unexpected rugby uh, going right down to the wire going right down to the wire well don't forget highlights from the Fosrock Super 6 are available on Scottish Rugby's YouTube channel so you can not only hear the, uh, what we're talking about you can also see the <laughs> pictures <laughs> if you can make sense of it you're doing better than I think the three of us are um, but Gary it's been such a pleasure having you thank you so so much for joining Chris and I on the official Scottish Rugby thanks very much I'll just be off to set my alarm clock yeah, I, I was going to say you've got, you've got a wee bit of time prepared all yeah, the yeah. very best for what is a very exciting few months of, of rugby writing ahead. Thanks very much. Cheers. Scotland will face Australia, Fiji, New Zealand and Argentina this October and November at BT Murrayfield Stadium in Edinburgh in the Autumn Nation Series. Tickets for Scotland's fixture against New Zealand have already sold out. Secure your tickets now for the other matches. Well, we're heading into round three of the URC this weekend with Edinburgh Rugby and Glasgow Warriors away to Stormers and Ospreys respectively. Last week, though, uh, Scotland and Glasgow suffered a, a major blow um, through Rory Darge. Oh, yeah. He had surgery through the week and he's now yeah. in rehabilitation. You must be, you'll be devastated. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a shocker, isn't it? Like, it's... You know, it's a phrase everybody uses, but it, it's so sad because, um, listen, he's had, he's had surgery, surgery's gone well, um, he'll be as determined as, as ever to get back, but he's been such an important player for Glasgow and for Scotland um, that you get excited when he's in a team sheet. Um, and of course, you you, know, you feel from with the injury, you could see it was a, it was a bad one right away. And you you kind of know when the referee and the opposition players are kind of frantically waving there's something wrong but mm-hmm. if it ever underlines what type of person Rory Darge is it, it, look at well maybe don't suggest you look at the footage but he got a really nasty injury he knew it was nasty right away he could see that his ankle was in, was in a bad way and he just sat up in the field took a deep breath and he could <laughs> maybe it was a swear word in it but he could mouth lip read what he said he says and he told the physio that's it and he just sat up and took a deep breath I thought like put yourself in that situation where you've got a serious, serious injury in front of your eyes and just shows you how composed, how tough, how calm um, and how kind of respectful he was. He just sat there and just stood to his and that, that's it. And obviously take it away. So sad, really sad. And, and it's difficult for players that as well when it happens so early in the game. Around you. Yeah. Uh, and then the break so long. It's always kind of, I think, a, a kind of nod to how mentally strong the players are because they're able just to as soon as the whistle goes rock back into it again and, and just go straight back into it you know a, a phase of play you know three or four minutes or four or five minutes after uh and get back into the game it, it takes it takes a bit of strength because ultimately your mate that's down there was you know badly injured so uh sad to see but much better performance in glasgow i mean from the side that lost on the road to to benetton in round one what was the difference with glasgow uh, this week for you? I, I, well I, Tempo and speed and accuracy around, you know, skill execution, but a huge amount of courage because I thought they started the game in terms of how they wanted to play really well, but got no reward for it. Mm. They were fell behind, the multi-phase attacks that ended up in a turnover or a, a penalty or, or, or Cardiff getting a bit of joy from it. And after the, the result the week before and the doubts that would be, you know, in their minds... The courage to stick to what they were doing, knowing that it was going to come good, I thought was was one of the, the kind of highlights of the uh, of the performance, really. Um, and then once it did click, and the you know the, the the speed was there, the accuracy was there, Cardiff could defence couldn't live with, with Glasgow, and it was almost like what we've kind of quite often thought was synonymous with Glasgow on a Friday night at Scots, and, and the tries being scored, and the atmosphere behind it, and the, the intensity and the speed, it was brilliant. And that's that's the way I think Glasgow should 
should play. Um, there'll be bigger challenges physically. I thought some of the defence from from Cardiff, especially the kind of midfield defence, was was a wee bit passive and it allowed Glasgow that that speed and tempo in their game. Glasgow know that as well. There'll be there'll be you know bigger, more physical challenges that they probably don't get that tempo into the game quite as easily. But having the intent to find it, I think is exactly how, how Glasgow should play. So the scoreline finished uh, 52-24 uh, to Glasgow against Cardiff. Uh, that was a big win for the fans and, and for the club, but ultimately that was a massive win for Franco Smith. Yeah, yeah, it was um, really uh, obviously much happier. It was obviously that bit the intent to play that attacking brand of rugby with the the execution I thought was was excellent and I think that's what will please him most and just as I said kind of a couple of moments ago that you know that that is much more difficult to do when you don't get the success you think it's going to bring and week one was a real disappointment and it was almost do you think that was a shock as well I think it was I, I spoke to Franco I mean, said I guess you know it, it's difficult to know why that level of performance was there um and and the kind of the level of intensity, but my goodness, it was batting Friday night, and and that'll please well everybody, as you say, but especially especially Frank. There's some brilliant performances. George was brilliant. George Horn, mm. um, Jack Dempsey, Sione, Fraser Brown. I mean, there was a lot of really good performances, which is good for the camp as well. Um, he travelled to Ospreys this weekend, who lost Ospreys lost late on to the to the Lions. Um, now the Ospreys is effectively a a Welsh international team, mm. um, who didn't really perform particularly well so you'll be expecting a reaction like Glasgow had from Treviso to uh, to Cardiff from uh, from the Ospreys this weekend uh, down in, in Swansea so and you're heading down I've covered that game yeah so so look forward to that and, and it actually that's the next challenge for Glasgow isn't it and you can see mm. that the, the the drive is there listen let's do this on the road let's back up what we did at Scotson last week and do it on the road against a team that will be that they'll be uh well, they'll be spitting after the, the way they, <laughs> they lost the game against the Lions. And that's also ultimately the way that the URC works. It's the only way that you're going to get into the... And you've got to get that as well, aren't yeah. you? I mean, you, 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 even in the kind of first couple of weeks, there's results that you maybe didn't quite expect or, or closer or, you know, it's, it's... I said two or three weeks ago, it's going to be really tough to get into that top eight. Like, for, for all the teams... You, I don't know, maybe we should try and pick a top eight now and refer back at the end of the season to see how close we get. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard because the ability for everybody to be everybody is, is pretty high. Oh, well, talk about talk about matches that catch you <laughs> off guard. I mean, Edinburgh, <laughs> that I think was a try fest is the only thing that we can use to describe that. What a game of rugby yeah. that was. Yeah, frustrating, wasn't it? Oh. In terms of what could have been five points, you know, league points, it ends up being two league points. Now, two league points away from home at the Bulls is, is better than, than yeah. nothing but it, it's frustrating how close it could have been to five and like, it's one of the bravest performances I've seen for a long time and I know people say well what's the point in being brave if you don't win well you have to realise that Edinburgh I think were, were out that game a couple of times yeah, for came long back periods for of long time periods and came back into it fell behind the game came back into it there was a couple of defensive sets just before half time that were near Edinburgh's own line that were brilliant they were exceptional and they held out and Kind of, I was thinking of the best way to sum it up some brilliant individual performances as well but ultimately a defeat frustrating a couple of goal kicks obviously at the end but I think in, to sum it up Kenny, in some ways like the Bulls will know how hard that was like almost yeah. to, to see the effect it had in the Bulls tells you that how you know how, how good Edinburgh were and, and that kind of underlines the point you just made a moment ago that everybody can beat everybody. There isn't really a form that's going. To, I don't think in this league that that you could guarantee it's it's going to every game's going to be front up hard, close um, and exciting. Le they were they were in that game and they were competing in that game to the dying seconds. Mm. And let's not forget as well, you know this is a side that uh, no European side mm -hmm. has won mm -hmm. away. Uh, there the in, in, yeah. to the Bulls in, in the URC so that, that's massive yeah you're, you're in whatever the 20 odd degree heat in the middle of the day you're at altitude you've picked up illness in the camp you've picked up injuries there's been two or three substitutions already um, Jack had gone off I think Luke Crosby mm -hmm. uh, had gone off you're Matt Bennett's in off at the end and Blair wasn't even he was pulled out of contention way yeah. before yeah. all I mean, of this yeah. all last you've had a, a travel from a a, a, a travel week from Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere 
it takes a lot, but that's what makes it frustrating when you don't quite get the reward that you could have had. You uh-huh. know, there, there was a, an opportunity there. Um, but again, like going back to the kind of URC as a whole, I think to get into that top eight, if you win your home games and if you can, if you lose in the road, pick something up, be it one point or two point, I think all these points accumulating at the end of the season become really important to get into that top eight. I can't be sitting next to you. Uh, and not talk about Morning Stain now. The minute, <laughs> the minute that that man uh, came on the miss. pitch, oh, you thought he might I miss. thought he might miss. I Do thought you know, it's about time. My husband's <laughs> face dropped. My uh, face dropped. Everybody's face dropped. He's like an NFL punter. He comes on at the right time and he destroys the hopes and dreams of the opposition. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's done it for a long time, Morning Stain. Um, yeah, his, his technique is, is excellent, and it, it, it's in the best possible sense really quite simple he's got it absolutely home that there's no huge amount that can go wrong he knows that pitch really well there's a couple of opportunities for, for, for inners Henry Immelman towards the end the first one was um, I thought it could maybe go into the corner it was just over halfway the second one was a kick he'll be frustrated we could see how disappointed he was at the end but again um, although he practised a lot he's not really had a huge amount of experience of in-game frontline kicking and then you could think obviously Buffelli's mm-hmm. still away. Um, Blair, Moselle, Jacob, being off. Mark Bennett, Mark Bennett. Mm-hmm. So, Inners will be. Oh yeah, will be frustrated. Of course, they will. Um, there's an opportunity to win it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Monty Stain, he's uh, he's done it on the big occasion, time and time again. And, and I, I genuinely thought oh, that's about time he missed one. Well, and I stepped up, but you nah, go, you, you, you go back. Like you go back to the lines, don't you? But that's twice. A, a, <laughs> so yeah. another story for another day. I think he. Um, I think he was. Uh, he held or broke some record in terms of consecutive kicks at goal as well. Did he? Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Surely. I think it was maybe mine he broke. That's why we been around. <laughs> but it was up towards the forty odd consecutive international kicks. Uh, I think I was thirty seven or thirty eight, and he broke it and broke it by a few. So um, I, I would no, love to. No bad. I'd love to see a kick off between Chris Patterson <laughs> and Morning Stain. I think that You're would right. that would do the job. We'll do it. We'll do it at the high belt at his end, and we'll get a trip to Porto. It'll go further. <laughs> well, uh, what it did to us, uh, you know, we had Darcy's hat trick. We had and how good was that? How well? good was Darcy's hat trick? <laughs> five but tries, also, two games. Like five tries, two games. But also the the way that there were so many team tries out of the five mm. tries. There were so many team tries, and Mark Bennett's on form. We could name so many players between the two pro teams. Yeah. Langers as well. I, La- thought, yeah. I thought Langers was brilliant. He was very Mark good. Mark was excellent. Langers, uh, uh, Skewy up front, Sam Skinner's involvement, the back row as a whole, and we mentioned a few for, for Glasgow, you could mention pretty much everybody. The important thing for both teams is like, just back it up. Let's, let's continue this form. Let's create this environment where you only have to play that or you don't play for your professional team. Um, and then when you are asked to play, you play at that level because you're being managed and you're being, you know, given the opportunity to play as best you can every time through, you know, management or, or your training load and your playing load, but also through the competition that's going to be uh, bred within the within the standard of quality in, the, in, in your squad. So um, two big games this weekend, touching the Glasgow and the Ospreys, Edinburgh, Stormers, it gets even harder because they'll have a knock-on effect of the knocks and bumps and injuries from last week. Even if the players are able to play, they're, they're, they're there's a hangover. Well, there's a there's a knock-on effect of how much preparation, how much training they can do between the two games. Mm-hmm. So, um, Gilko, for example, if he's got a, like, a cut in his hand or a laceration in his hand, how much can he do? Yeah, yeah, it might be okay, but the Saturday, but how much can he do from the the, the Monday to the like the ball handling Friday? and training, yeah, for example, yeah, in or terms of your timing and your line out and mm-hmm. delivery, whatever it is. That, you know, the, the, it's a big ask. It's a bigger ask this week than it was last week. And you see how hard Edinburgh had to fight to give themselves a chance. It'll be the same this week against the Stormers, who, if you haven't seen a couple of tries against Connacht last week, don't dig, like. dig, dig, dig them out because they're pretty special. <laughs> Rugby Championship winners in New Zealand. Yeah, I got Did we write ex- them off? I know. Well, to be honest, I was so close to writing them off. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, the, what a championship that was. Well, we said it was topsy turvy, it was upside down, it was flipping one week to the next. But it is worth saying that the team who were seen as the Canadian and most strife still managed to come out on top. They're not bad. Not bad. It's quite a formidable achievement from from New Zealand and also Ian Foster. I mean, no. that's it. So any critics, it's sometimes the media are trying to push out, you know. And actually, the the squad. You said that early on. They'll just be focusing. Well, their attack on... got better. Yeah, their attack got much much better, and they were more representative of what you would 
say if you didn't know a huge amount of rugby or, or watch a lot of rugby, you've got this kind of vision of what New Zealand are and how they play. It probably married up to that in Towards the last the couple end. of performances. And I think it was their attacking mentality and their attacking shape. They looked a wee bit lost early on the tournament, but got definite clarity in what they were trying to do and their big players step up again. So um, some of the big players maybe won't be as well known as their previous big players, but they're, they're reaching a level now that even when they're seen as being as bad as they've been for a long time they still win the rugby championship so I think the, the important thing is they're, they're, they're a really solid side and well, we'll look forward to welcoming them here in a, a couple of months um, Now I'm I'm looking forward to Argentina but I'm actually I'm also after the rugby championship I'm really excited for Australia Well I, I think I don't know how many weeks back it was probably the start of the rugby championship even before we spoke about the kind of opposition for Scotland and I, I was I think you asked me who was most excited seeing it, it was Australia because mm. I thought what they can bring, I know how Dave Rennie coaches and the 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 kind of the speed and the intensity he wants to, to play it and I think they've Australia have got players who can do that really well. Um But he also knows what And he knows Scotland yeah, we yeah. do, so, which makes it so exciting. I don't want to say I was disappointed in them because there was a lot of good but the they've probably underachieved or, or, or well they'll say themselves they've underachieved and a really difficult rugby championship, but it's probably disciplines are number one thing that they need to and players and injuries that obviously get players back fit and and, and uh, players available for selection. But well, the things they can control, I think they'd be most disappointed with the number of penalties and, and giving away that give opportunities for for uh, uh, for opposition to to get territory to kind of nullify that explosive talent that they have. So. Um, I still think they're an explosive talent. I still look forward to, to seeing them here in November. Um, and if they've got that discipline, if they improve that discipline, again, they'll be a top, top side. I think one last thing on that as well is the thing with Australia that gets me here at BT Murrayfield is that for some reason, this is their duck, isn't it? And and, and under <laughs> Gregor Townsend, stop since, don't, stop talking, Caroline. Uh, since 2017, so 100% winning record. For, and, and so you just either way know it's going to be uncomfortable. Performances. Um, it's going to be a good watch either way, I guess, yeah. is the, is oh, the yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they have been. Um, the, uh, that's something that Dave will address, you know, <sighs> absolutely, because the record is poor here, mm-hmm. be it from... You know, from their point of view, maybe saying they've underachieved, or from our point of view, saying, "Listen, we've had some brilliant performances, fifty-point wins as well in that period as well against uh, against Australia. I think that one was a red card as well, so maybe the discipline issue was kind of you know evident there as well. But international rugby at the moment is so finely balanced, and I genuinely believe if there's very little between the teams, one or two things going for or against you can result in a big scoreline. That it, it sounds. It sounds difficult to to believe that, but it's true. I, I genuinely believe it. You could be nothing between the teams, and you know one thing goes your way, another thing goes your way, and you rack up three or four tries. So that's the quality that's there. It can happen on the flip side as well. So um, yeah, tough games, and sometimes when you see big discrepancies in the scoreline, you think, oh, that team's much better than the other. I, I don't believe that. I think the top eight, ten in the world, there's not a lot between them, and being accurate and getting the little bits right it determines whether you come into the right side, the wrong side, the scoreline by a, a, a narrow margin or, or by a bigger margin. Well, all will be revealed on the 29th of October when we host them. Uh, so a quick reminder then of the Autumn Nations Series fixtures. It's Australia, 29th of October, Fiji on the 5th of November, New Zealand on the 13th, and then finally Argentina on the 19th of November. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks very much to Gary Heatley for joining us and, of course, to Chris Patterson. We'll be back uh, next week for more rugby news on the official Scottish Rugby podcast. Until then, keep across the Scottish Rugby social channels for the latest news and content. 